His name is Heston Blumenthal. He is the most creative chef in the world, with six Michelin stars to his name. My name's Jay Taylor. I've been the creator of Heston's TV shows for over 15 years, but I don't have any Michelin stars. However, I am lucky enough to be your host on this journey inside the mind of Heston, as we explore all manner of different foods through his unique culinary mind. And today, we're going deep inside one of our most comforting of comfort foods, discovering how the humble bacon sandwich is close to drug-taking when we eat it, and how it might even have helped human evolution. So without further ado, let's take a journey to the centre of food with the man himself, Heston Blumenthal. Hello, sir. Good to see you. How are you? I am very good. All the better for seeing you, Monsieur Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) That's very polite of you. Thank you, sir. And we're also joined by James. Exactly. I had to say excited that James and I are together in France. Although I got so excited that we could be sitting next to each other talking to Monsieur Taylor through the um, requirements of uh, interference on Wi-Fi networks. I'm sitting in the kitchen and James is sitting in the bedroom. So we're together, (laughs) but we might as well... (laughs) He might as well be in Timbuktu. We are are beautifully socially distanced, Jay, with at least 40 feet of sort of wall between us. We had one of those moments a minute ago for anyone listening at home where Heston's computer wasn't working. And then we realised James could just go in and sort it out for him because he's actually in the same country for the for, for a nice change i might be i might be adept in the kitchen but i'm certainly not adept with computers i don't think it's that i think there's something fundamentally i think you must project some kind of electrical current because any technology you go near just just does not work it doesn't work I, I, I know and i've seen it in i've seen it in strange places like tv cameras airport security it's it's <laughs> machines just shut down around you <laughs> you project some I kind of that effect odd on electromagnetic. <laughs> <laughs> I know today we're going to be talking about comfort food, and we'll get onto our main subject yeah. in a minute. But I read this. I was rummaging through some old National Geographic magazine. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, An other couple of um, comfort food things, certainly in my life, coffee and beer. Scientists at Princeton University have figured out mm-hmm. why um, carrying coffee and beer is easier than carrying water so if you carry a glass full of uh, water full to the top it'll slosh everywhere but if you carry a glass full of beer or coffee if you think about it when you're in the pub it doesn't slosh and apparently uh, it's all to do with the bubbles the foam on the surface of the liquid hinders sloshing and they practice this by injecting air into glycerin and dishwasher fluid what they're going to be using that now is they're going to be adding it to things like uh, oil to make trips safer whenever they travel around with hazardous fluids so when you're next carrying your coffee and it's not going everywhere that's why couldn't they just put a lid on the barrels of of highly flammable oil jay <laughs> i had a much cleverer idea i'd always put a drop of fairy liquid in my uh in my uh coffee from now on when we're carrying anything carrying a glass of wine just just pop a little bit of fairy liquid in there the interesting thing do you know where the word apparently shit came from no i do not it's connected to sloshing around okay i wonder how you're gonna link that when manure which was used as energy used to be transported by boat you had fresh poo methane and obviously sailing boats were made of wood which is highly potentially flammable when certain gases are sloshed around in the presence of air oxygen and water and other 
and other things that slosh around that can it's basically like sticking it all in a liquidizer so what they did with the methane with it with the with the with the manure they would stamp on the boxes s dot h dot i dot t store high in transit you'd have to put you would not put it in the hold of a boat because if it was going to ignite much better to ignite when it's on the top on the deck you don't want it to ignite when it's in the hold otherwise you might have a hole in the wrong place and sink i didn't know that one a load of isn't it interesting how many phrases come from nautical backgrounds like square meals and yeah. things like that they it seems to be a lot of it comes from naval experiences there's a theory about taking the piss as well but i i won't go into it but it's to do with transporting urine and canals at locks when they would have to say oh, they'd use that, that as, a, as an excuse to get through the locks quicker or something like that i uh, apologize to everyone who's tuned in for a, f- a podcast <laughs> about food <laughs> We tend to hang around the bodily functions quite a you lot. You can't do podcast, a PP so or you can't produce <laughs> methane without eating. So you, we can say it's connected to food and our microbes. Boom. Very good. What that there, what that was there, ladies and gentlemen, was a link. <laughs> and, <laughs> and a link to <laughs> a link to comfort food. Heston, what dish are we exploring in all its comforting glory today? It is the bacon sandwich. I think probably safe to say the king of comfort food. Ah, now you're turning it into a competition. <laughs> so then when you turn <laughs> it into that. a competition, then we go into, which is, we, I, I'm saying this because I think it's a really important point. You come into, when comfort food, I don't know what, I, I don't know what, what the best for you is. So that comment where people say, I want to make you the best version of yourself. How the flipping hell do I know what the best version of yourself is? I might think, I might think, Tay, you're in the best version of, you, of yourself today. And you might think, I've, you're so full of self-loathing. I don't know the best version of yourself. The only person that knows the best version of themselves is them. So when we go into comfort food, what's comforting for one person isn't necessarily comforting for another. And just because somebody does not like the same thing as you, it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make you a better person. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Dear listeners, Jay Jay had a horizontal little hand wobble there. It's like a wave gone wrong and a shake of the head. Um, But, and this is really relevant to bacon sandwiches, the most obvious one, for me, but again, I've just made a competition of it. One of the things that 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 um, the big questions or the one of the big uh, dividers is if you're going to have some kind of sauce stroke condiment with it. Do you have? And I'm, I'm going to describe your face when I say this, so people can just imagine Jay's <laughs> smiling. He's flicking his. Well, there's a right answer and a wrong answer to <laughs> between his <laughs> forefinger, middle finger. James and I spoke about this earlier, but if you are going to have a condiment or sauce with your bacon sandwich, would it be brown sauce or ketchup? Yes, yeah. your face when I said brown <laughs> sauce was contorted. <laughs> Well, it's just—I mean, it's ketchup, isn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd be very interested to know, actually, because I—I've God knows if there's any spurious stats out there that James can bring together for us on what, this. What to prove that? Survey. To prove that? 
to prove I'd just be curious which is which is which is more popular because I I would say in my my rough straw poll of people I've met through the years I'd say maximum of one in ten goes for brown sauce but I've also always wondered if there is a geographical <laughs> split between north and southern England because I do feel when I go to the north brown sauce is more of a I, thing and that yeah I I I agree. I, I agree. But I, I, when I say I agree, I, I don't agree with one in it's ten. Test and Blymouth all facts. I don't know the <laughs> figures. Um, and James and I spoke about this earlier. When I think of the times in the last several years that brown sauce has popped up with a potential offering on uh, with a bacon sandwich or, let's say, breakfast, it has been a, maybe a friend's wedding in a hotel and you wake up the next morning feeling a little bit jaded and you go to the breakfast buffet and the ketchup's gone. And there is just brown sauce. <laughs> and you think, oh, for, for me, I, I'm not a, a brown sauce on bacon sandwich person. But I can appreciate HP sauce, so- HP sauce, not HB sauce. For me, it's not what I associate with the bacon sandwich. So I would prefer not to have any sauce at all so but but that doesn't mean to say that brown sauce is the best if it's my best yes but it's not the best it's not wrong but why you know i, I love branston pickle branston pickle and a cheese cheese and pickle sandwich marmite or vegemite on toast with butter i love okay so what i propose we do then is we put together your bacon sandwich well first of all when would you have a bacon sandwich ideally when's your moment your perfect bacon sandwich moment so james and i ate a bacon sandwich in france about two hours ago so we went to the supermarket it was quite interesting so we went to buy bread like i don't mean baguette sourdough from the boulangerie a packet of sliced bread, like we are grow, like we are used to and grow up within in the UK. So you think, well, don't white, white bread, yeah, brown bread, granary, whatever. So that in itself was a little bit tricky, because what we found was lots of packets of of brioche, which is basically bread with butter and maybe creme fraiche in it, which can be wonderful. In a ghetto, but you want that in a bacon sandwich? So we got a we we eventually found a packet of what they call pan de mie, American sandwich bread they call it. So we got a packet they of that. Their noses on that, don't they? In France, I bet yeah, well they, they no, but they, they, here's the thing. Yeah, they did. But when the big lockdown happened on the twelfth of March here, the three things you couldn't buy were a toilet roll pasta and those packets of sliced bread they see? last for years <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do they do so we, we we got that then when we try to find bacon and finding um so you get streaky bacon and you get back bacon so this obviously the streaky bacon has more fat the back bacon has less fat then you have the choice of streaky or back bacon smoky or not and we went to two fairly decent-sized supermarkets. I mean, one of the biggest supermarket companies on the planet, actually. We found Lardon, which is basically cued bacon, which you could make a bacon sandwich out of, but that's not the bacon sandwich that we were thinking about. So we eventually bought a couple of packs of smoked and unsmoked streaking back bacon. 
butter. We grilled it. And then we made one with the brioche slices and one with the white bread slices. While we were making it and eating it, we were discussing what we liked about bacon sandwich and when, we, when would we eat a bacon sandwich. For me, it's a breakfast treat. It's not something, it's not something that I would, it's something that in, in principle I would love to eat. I, I could eat basically just about every morning. I love them. But there's something, it, it, that is, it's when that indulgence just becomes a, a need, then you've got an issue. Um, so to answer your question, morning time, generally, bacon sandwich. Then do you want your bread toasted or not? This is a good question, this, with that, with that pre- presuming, I think we're saying, that that, that that kind of manufactured white bread is the thing that, for me, and I think you as well, is the thing that we'd like a bacon sandwich on. My kind of bedrock for a good bacon sandwich tends to be the Corner Cafe. You know, they make the really yeah. nice ones. And they've never, ever, to- they would never, ever toast it. James said exactly the same thing. When the bacon's just come off the grill... The bread is sort of soft and soggy, but at the same time, it's got some structure to it. Uh, Maybe you've got butter in it, and then it gets soaked with the fat from the bacon from cooking. And it it sees your fingers. You think evolution is an incredible thing, because these four fingers and the thumb on both hands, somehow when I hold the sandwich between and betwixt those digits at the end of my arms, they seem to hang on to all the bits that would normally fall off because they're so soaked in juicy, salty, smoky baconness, And it's a wondrous thing. I even sometimes think of pushing the boat out and going for wholemeal or granary toasted brown bread. But I think if I was, if the bread was, if they didn't have a toaster, I think the bread would have to be white for me. If it would be toasted, I might... I might go off track, go off piece and go for brown granary wholemeal. But hedging your bets and having half of the bread toasted and the other half not. So one slice toasted, the other one not. I've never tried a white and brown mix. So one slice of one, one slice of the other, half toasted of the one, half toasted of the other. In the early days of the fat duck, you used to hand bake all your own bread, didn't you? You used to be in there every morning making it. I've been curious because I'm an absolute bread fanatic. I absolutely love it. But just an understanding of what is going on in me that makes bread so appealing. Because obviously it's a key part of the bacon sandwich. What is it? What is what is it about bread that is so appealing to? Oh, us? we need another. We need several podcasts on that. The evolution of man's relationship with wheat. So did we cultivate wheat, or did wheat cultivate us to cultivate wheat? So this is a to do with the communication of bacteria, the microbes in the soil and in, 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 in certain plants that attracted humans. It's like flowers pollinating. They attract insects to pollinate them. Uh, did we really cultivate wheat or did wheat say, come on humans, come on. And when the, the history of making bread, you take some kind of grain and you grind it, but you need water and you need fire. Grain, water fire you don't have to kill an animal or try and catch a fish but you do need water and you need to make fire you know i'm i I believe in the belief of of religion so i believe in the concept of religion and some some people religion can be incredible and for others it can cause you know (laughs) problems let's say however a lot of things in the great 
let's call it cultural or religious stories from Homer to the Quran, from the Bible to all of these preachings and storytelling have evolved and stood the test of time because human beings connect to them. So give us this day our daily bread. There's something about breaking bread. Also, apparently, bread is, if there was one food, if you could only survive off one food without drinking water, so you couldn't drink and eat, you just ate. The food that you would live longest on or with is bread. Enough moisture, humidity, water in the bread. But there is a big difference between mass-produced loaf of bread that we're talking about for a bacon sandwich and a long, slow, fermented sourdough bread. Our history of our relationship with cultivating and using grains to produce baked goods, whether they're flatbreads or... You know, very expensive um, artisan-produced sourdough breads. Connection between that and our microbiome is huge. From an evolutionary point of view, it's huge. Then you get toast. There's something to do with the smell when you toast bread and the smell of baking bread, that warm smell. And we haven't touched yet on why the hell can bacon turn vegetarians into meat eaters? It seems to me... Just from observational past experience, I've heard enough people say, you know, I'm a vegetarian, but what a smell, the smell of of grilled bacon. What is it about that? I don't know the answer to that. You talk about that bread connection, which I didn't realise, but the the bacon smell, it almost feels like this this sandwich has a very primeval connection for us it goes back a long way into things that we love and crave as as people yeah yeah and you touched on it at the beginning of your sloshing around thing beer and coffee for any fermented and I, I i think a lot of this also has a connection to feeding our microbes so there's always fermentation happening in our gut so that we're drawn to things that are fermented in some shape or form so alcoholic-wise, wine and beer, non-alcoholic, you can you can sell all sorts of vegetables and condiments and bread. It's all the rage now. It's interesting you say that because I was reading earlier, and <clears throat> this is obviously what you know very well, but I was, I was quite surprised that obviously foods that are high in sugar, fat or salt elevate our mood by stimulating the brain's reward systems. And we've talked about that multiple times and you've told me about that. But I didn't realise the same reward and pleasure sensors are um, associated with drug addiction uh, when you eat comfort foods. Exactly and basically, same. comfort foods and drugs, it's a sort of self, a self-medication well, almost. Well, and a bacon sandwich is a drug. Well, it is. Any form of addiction, whether it's drugs or shopping, the easier it is to get an instant fix, then the want becomes a, the, the want becomes a need. And so... This is why you hear people like, it's going to sound like a very tenuous link, but people that win the lottery generally, generally aren't, you, you, don't, you don't hear of many people winning the lottery going on to do amazing things. Working for reward, and that's our whole endocrine hormonal system. When we work for something, so if you were going to bake your bread and your sourdough bread, think about this as well. When you make sourdough bread, it's like in... In Asia, they have master stocks. So you make a stock from veg and meat, and then you save a little bit of that stock. And then you put that in your next stock. And 
that's handed down from generations. You, you've always got a stock pot on the boil. Now, it's fine to eat because it, you're always boiling it. So it's, it, it's safe to eat. But you might have, um, not only might you have ingredients that have actually been third, fourth, fifth generation, but they've been made by hands of the third, fourth, fifth generations. It's like your gr- your grandmother passing to your grandmother passing to your grandmother passing to your mum, and the same thing with sourdough. So you save a little bit of the dough from the last batch to make the next batch. So that, so that there is, it's almost like a, it's a species in itself which has been made from water, fermented grain, yeasts and human beings that have bacteria on their hands and in, in, in their bodies. So there's this, there's this wonderful relationship with food. Now, why, but why does that, why is a bacon sandwich alluring in the way that it is? What is it about the smell of bacon? Now, smoke, yes, you, you, I get that. Carbon, charcoal, uh, wood, you know, a, a wood-burning oven, the soft smell of a fireplace it's a it's a very very welcoming smell but that's smoked bacon i'd love to know why it's so alluring and so i think what happens is at its heart the beating heart of that is something really embedded into woven into the fabric of our evolutionary emotional system which means maybe we can all have very strong opinions about it when you think it's so wrong to have brown sauce how can you have ketchup with it you put mayonnaise with it you serve it with toasted bread you have white bread big brown bread oh no way it's got to be in a bun yeah streaky bacon so but i i think it's because at the heart of the bacon sandwich is there is so much that is woven into our evolution that we become very emotional about it and we become very protective, territorial, and mum knows best. I've been, I've been Googling, obviously, as I do, um, and I think I've, I've uncovered something that might, might be useful at this point. Um, but bacon itself is very rich. The Hester will know this, this substance, but it's, it's rich in a substance called choline. Ah, for the brain, brain feeding, choline, B vitamin. Absolutely. Yeah. Choline is needed by the body to produce something called acetylcholine, which is as our neuroscientist listeners will know, a, a neurotransmitter, yep. which is necessary for brain function in order to do all sorts of things, but particularly memory and, and, and neural development of all sorts. So perhaps there's something about our bodies that need and want the foods that give it the things that they need to develop. And bacon, obviously, is rich in that. Can you have a look? This is a question to have a look if you can find a connection between, because you have choline and inositol, and under um, they 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 both come under the category of a, of a B B vitamin for brain function. Now, they're neurotransmitters, which they affect the neural peptides, so the signalling different parts of the brain and the and, and the body. Can you find a connection between uh, choline, lactate, glutamate, or oxytocin? Well, certainly choline is also, um, well, breast milk is very rich in choline. Ah, okay. So breast milk is so full of oxytocin. It's so full of, and, and glutamate. Wow. 
That's exciting. So maybe we need bacon sandwiches. Or also, just to point out to, for, for, for those that worry about this stuff, there are lots of things in bacon which are also not so great for us. Lots of sulfurous compounds, which if we have too much can, can be quite damaging. Yeah, so there is a balance. You can't just eat bacon morning, noon and night and not have anything <laughs> to worry about. Although if anyone is planning on taking that advice and doing it, we would love to hear from you because we're not, we're not adjudicated by anybody. We can be as immoral no. as we like on this. If you want to go for it, go for it. <laughs> Now, at what point do your kidneys back up? But I've had, um, <laughs> I'd love to hear, you know, again, going back to religion, there's a lot of religious beliefs that I think have formed out of thousands of years of humans uh, realizing that if you do too much of this thing, whatever it might be, it might not be too good for you. So if we make it a law, no one's going to take any notice. But if we make it punishable by going to, he- going to hell, so we'll, we'll embed it in a religious belief and that will be a deterrent for people for eating or consuming things they shouldn't do. Before I'm Heston, I'm me. Then I'm born Heston, I'm born British and, I, and I'm born Jewish. And I have <laughs> probably three or four very close relatives who are semi-practicing Jews who have said to me in the past they've justified eating a bacon sandwich i don't know if you've heard of this before but they call it macon what's that kosher bacon (laughs) it's just i think it's just an excuse to eat bacon and fair play just a creative excuse it's not bacon it's macon I like the idea, though, that we're now talking that is so important to us. We should have it somehow written into religious doctrines. There was something in port called uh, either trichinosis or trichinosis, but it was a parasite that can live in, in pigs that if it got into the food chain can make us very, very ill. Like salmonella, but, 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 but more, more extreme, more strong. And so it was considered that you never ate pork rare. You always had to cook pork like chicken. But in fact, oh God, 30, maybe 30 years ago, the worldwide, just about worldwide, the food system, uh, they measured for this parasite so the animals wouldn't go into the food chain. And even the USDA about uh, 20 years ago said you, you, you can cook pork like beef. You can cook pork rare. You have to be cook careful when you cook chicken rare. But pork, just because it's a white meat, when, they, when it's, it's been scanned for trichinosis or trichinosis, it's safe. So you can see why in certain religious doctrines they say you're going you know, to go to a bad place if you eat pork. You're going to be a sinner or whatever. Because... It certainly saves on medical care and health bill. <laughs> health bills. So you want you want people to you want less people to be sick. Well, we're we're talking about all the elements, you know, in the bacon and the bread that go back for a long way. But let's presume for now we are saying it's ketchup. That has a long history as well. And I know from our previous conversations, umami is very high in that, which is another thing that connects to us. Massive. And that's why tomatoes have a very high level in, in glutamates or glutamic acid, which is connected to lactate in the brain. It's connected to oxytocin, which is in breast milk. Again, it, you can see all this stuff feeds back. And, and obviously smoke, you know, we, 
We evolved through fire, cooking food through fire. There's no other creature on the planet that cooks their, intentionally cooks their food by making fire and then socially connects with the food they cooked. No species on the planet. So there's a bonding, a massive bonding thing. And I'm not saying bacon sandwiches are the only thing that bond human beings. They certainly bond blokes probably with a hangover <laughs> at the morning <laughs> after. I'm sure they do. Uh, it's a bit like the thing with the cook, with the cooked breakfast. You know, it's, oh yes, it's going full English. I love great cooked breakfast. They can be amazing while you eat them. But if you eat a cooked breakfast the, the the night after with your mates and you love while you love it while you're eating it, half an hour later, all of that sugar and starch and fat hits you. So you feel just as bad as you did before, but much worse now because you're now stuffed. You can't talk you properly. You're riddled. Yeah, your self-loathing has gone up. But but. You mentioned ketchup, so I understand ketchup for umami. I love, you notice the, notice the word I said, I, it's all about me, <laughs> but um, ketchup mayo mixed. I've done it for years, and now James and I saw this morning when we went to uh, the, the, um, the local Intermarché supermarket here, Heinz, now are doing ketchup and mayo mixed in a bottle, and you think, well, can't you just have a <laughs> How much work does it take just to squeeze some ketchup? But I haven't, having said that, I haven't tried it. Maybe they've got some other mystical ingredients that will bond us even more. Would you mix them on a bacon sandwich? I love ketchup mayo. Yeah. But I don't know if I... There's another question. I don't know if... I'm thinking of traditionally two squeezy bottles, squeeze of ketchup, squeeze of mayo. If you mix it so it's homogenous, it goes pink. Do you get the same could of? Do you get the same kind of surprising contrast of burst of ketchup and mayo? I don't know. I don't know. But between those two sources, you've got fat, you've got sugar, you've got acidity, you've got bitterness, and you've got a load of umami. What is the history of ketchup? I know you've done a load of work on this. Tomato ketchup. I think is possibly the most recent ketchup of the lot. It's not by no means anywhere near the original ketchup. And tomatoes, I don't think tomatoes were even seen as a food until, being very vague here, but about 1600, between 15 and 1600, they, they were part of the deadly nightshade family. So they were used in medicine, but you didn't eat them because they were dangerous. They could be poisonous. And you mentioned before that the, the previous ketchup was mushroom, amongst others. Mushroom ketchup was, was yeah, one of the originals. Mushroom was one of the originals, and mushrooms have loads of umami. Uh, mushrooms, and, and, and they make ketchup with um, cucumbers, and they'd make ketchup with seafood, dried shrimps and cockles and stuff like that, and oysters. Something that struck me when you were talking then about the smoky characters, because I was thinking about the bacon itself and, and, and which bacons we're drawn to. Lots of fat, little fat. But you were talking about the smoky characters and I realised how few foods I've probably ever had that have actually been cooked over a fire or any kind of smoking grill. However, that smell is incredibly mouth-watering. It just makes you yeah. want to eat something. And I'm, I was curious, do you, is that genuinely, do you think, tied to an evolutionary thing that we have? 100%. Why is it? 100% it's connected to carbon. Carbon and water. 
every life form on earth has without carbon there's no life there has been quite a lot of research done in the last 20 to 30 years to show that you know when when women are pregnant they crave charcoal some they want to eat charcoal and in fact when stephanie was pregnant i remember poor woman um we, <laughs> we just released this barbecue where you lit the coal with an electric grill there are no fire lighters, no lighter fuel. It's just an electric coil that lights the, uh, the charcoal. And then it starts making this wonderful, soft, crackling noise. And it gets warm. And if you put your head over it, after two or three minutes, that warmth, there's something about the smell that comes up that is just so magical. And at that time, Stephanie, I, I did take a, we were, we were, I was doing a, a dinner, a, a work dinner at the Mandarin, and, and we stayed there that night when I was working, and the next day I wanted to... <laughs> oh, so horrible sometimes, but I did, I, I did it as a research um, project. I took around the, the, the candle department of Harrods, I think it was, and we walked around the... F she had to get out, she was going to vomit, because of all the smells. They were actually turning her stomach. She wanted to eat green lettuce, actually, green things, just green things. And then we got back home and I was showing her books. I had books on my shelf, the books with different spine covers, pink, green. Look at that color. How's that feel? Some colors made her want to vomit. Really? Re yeah, it was that sensitive. I love that you were studying her as I know. well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I put this piece of charcoal on this barbecue, just one piece. And then I put it on the plate in front of her to smell it and the crackle. The comfort uh, was, it was incredible. Carbon is life. Carbon is life. I mean, you can't have anything that lives without any carbon in it. And when you want to purify water, you can't, people, people filter water through carbon. And if you get a piece of pure carbon, a, a, you know, a, a, um, a tree that's not been treated, that's been carbonized, you have to brush your teeth with it. Your teeth go really white. And in fact, now they... Have you uh, done that? Yeah. Have you brushed your teeth with... Oh, for years. Of course you have. You yeah. just make it sound like, of course, grab a yeah, bit but, of tree, but, brush but, your teeth but, with but, it. But now you can go and buy toothpaste in the, chemi in the, in the chemist. Not, you don't have to go to a posh one. It's black toothpaste. It's carbon. And there's companies, even I saw one here recently, they're making, they, they're making black toothpaste from carbonized coconut shells because they burn higher. So you brush your teeth with black toothpaste. And it's the black toothpaste, guess what? Your teeth go whiter. <laughs> it don't go black. It's not like trying to brush them with beetroot juice or squid ink. I don't think we're going to end up here. So we, I think, <laughs> I think there is a massive future of discussion and research here on the alluring nature of a bacon sandwich. And for me, if you don't eat meat, I mean, this is an interesting one. For another, I'd, I'd love to hear people's views on this because some people are, 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 are more um, particular in the type of meat and the origin of the meat that they that they eat, where it's come from. Some aren't some don't eat meat some are vegan if you've if you've always been vegan or you've always been vegetarian or you decided to stop eating meat let's say for whatever reason then 
I'm interested to hear is, is there, does, for how many people does that smell of bacon? You've stopped eating meat, you don't want to eat meat, you don't like it, you think it's wrong for whatever reason, but you just don't eat meat anymore. Do you miss a bacon sarnie? And if you miss a bacon sarnie, what's the closest thing that you've got to that, 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 that ticks the bacon sarnie box? Or have you found something that blows the bacon sarnie out of the water? I'd love to hear about that. Oh, please do get in touch. We love it. We've been having some wonderful conversations and back and forth with some of you guys out there. Um, Hestonspodcast.gmail.com or at Heston's Podcast on Instagram. We love this to and fro with you guys out there because we want to turn this into a just giant experiment wherever possible yeah. so that please do send that in and of course everything that we say is 100 percent accurate and factually correct with no imagination attached to it <laughs> which is exactly why i'm going to throw it to james, james now who's been slaving away in our bacon sandwich kitchen james what what, what actual facts have you got <laughs> well i have found a survey on uh, red or brown sauce yeah. for, by, by uh, YouGov, no less um, so let's let's assume that's um, as about as uh, creditable as, as we can get with two and a half thousand British adults being asked. So they did a survey based on whether people preferred red or brown sauce, but with their sausage sandwiches. So when you were saying uh, something that blows the bacon sandwich out of the water, I wonder if that's going to be one of those things that uh, people come back with. But anyway, here are their results, right? I can't promise they you know, are going to clear anything up, but... 33% of Britons have red sauce on their sausage sandwiches. 33% have brown sauce on their, on their, on their sausage sandwiches, rather. Uh, with um, a staggering 14% of people say they don't have any sauce at all, which uh, honestly I don't understand. But on, on sausage or bacon? This is all on sausage. Sorry, okay. this is all... I, I, get, I can't you know, find a ba bacon sandwich. I, I, I this is interesting. For me, a sausage sandwich, I would if it had... Enough butter, the sausages were hot enough, the, the bread, I'd have white bread that was soft, not toasted, and I wouldn't be so missing of the sauce with a sausage sandwich. Yeah, I would even go I would even go so far as saying I potentially would have brown sauce on a sausage sandwich as often as I've had rev sauce. So it's, a, it's ridiculous, but how is a sausage sandwich so different to a bacon sandwich even though you know basically they're the same thing but i yeah well, it's different but sausage and bacon is not the same. <laughs> they're not the same thing jay one is a sausage yeah. and one is bacon <laughs> one's a piece of bacon but interestingly yeah. enough also apparently men prefer brown sauce slightly more than women of course um, uh, yeah and uh yeah. um yeah and, and age plays a difference with younger people preferring red sauce um, quite significantly, actually, to, to all the people who tend to go for brown. I don't know where all these people were, where, whereabouts they live, but there is a, some kind of north-south divide with brown sauce proving a little bit more popular with residents in the north of England with 37%. Scotland as high as 40 whilst in, re, in the south, red sauce is 36% of the I think that's all fascinating. So we're just about at the end of our comfort food episode for today. One thing I did want to ask all of you out there, if you have the time and the inclination, we would really appreciate it if you could uh, subscribe to this podcast or review it or write something nice or write something nasty. It doesn't really matter as long as you're engaged with it because apparently all the algorithms like it and they're good for us. We're not quite sure why, but people say to us to ask you, please subscribe so please subscribe if you get the chance and more importantly than that get in touch with those various different ways at heston's podcast uh 
on Instagram and Heston's podcast at gmail.com will be brilliant because we do want to hear all of your input. Now, coming up over the next few weeks, as we round the corner towards our festive season, we're going to be having a series of festive podcasts. Heston's going to be delving into all manner of lovely Christmas treats, uh, climaxing and culminating, this is a tease now, in uh, just after Christmas in an Ashes tournament between England and Australia. I will not reveal too much more now, but we're going to be having some fun over the next month or so with our food and with some of our north-south rivalries. But for now, on our bacon sandwich episode, Heston, that's pretty much all we've got time for. That's a shame. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect you to, to finish like that on that bombshell. <laughs> on that bombshell. James, thank you ever so much for being there for our facts. Heston, thank you for serving us up a lovely bacon sandwich. Until next time, thank you very much. Thanks, chaps. And thank you, dear listeners. 